Well, hello and welcome to the In Context podcast. Uh, this is a podcast hosted at Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. I'm joined again today by Brandon Levering, also one of the pastors here. We're so good at that at this point. I know. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, and this is like, uh, we're on a roll now. We put our put one out last week. We're back into kind of the swing of things. In case you don't know, uh, our church sustained some damage in the Iowa derecho um, mm-hmm. last year, and we're, we've spent a lot of time trying to get back in. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back into our main worship center at the end of this month, yeah, actually, yeah. which is Palm awesome. Sunday. So, so uh, we're getting a little bit more regular with our, uh, with our um, uh, podcast, so uh, you'll hear more from us as the weeks go on. And also this weekend, we're hosting a seminar here, uh, basically a whole weekend, a couple mm-hmm. different events here with Christopher Yuan. If you don't know who Christopher is, He's an adjunct professor with Moody Bible Institute. Um, he also um, has written some wonderful books on sexuality. If you've never had an opportunity to uh, to hear his testimony, I would recommend a book he wrote with his parents called Out of a Far Country. I think mm-hmm. him and his mother both co-wrote that yep. book. My wife is currently listening to it on Audible. Um, so if you, are, um, if you don't know anything about him, go ahead and look him up. And uh, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you go ahead and register. You can find that on our um, church website, stonebridge.church slash events. Um, but we'd encourage you to do that. And thankfully, he's going to be doing a podcast with yeah. uh, Brandon and with our discipleship pastor, Josh Josh Casey, um, this weekend. So we'll have that out early next week. And uh, hopefully that'll be helpful to those who are asking questions about sexuality yeah. and, and scripture. So, yeah. uh, so we're excited. But today, um, we're going to talk about something that we've talked about for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are in an evangelical free church, the EFCA. Um, Evangelical Free Church of America. That's what Stonebridge is part of. Um, this is my first church ever attending or working at an EFCA church. Like, this mm-hmm. is I first encountered the EFCA here at Stonebridge. Mm-hmm. And so um, I learned a lot about it. I grew up uh, Baptist, independent Baptist, and um, Southern Baptist. And so I grew up in what we call kind of a free tradition or Bible tradition. Mm-hmm. And you kind of had a mix, mix of that, yeah. right? Yeah, so I grew up in more of a mainline Protestant context, right. a Methodist church. Um, and then uh, late in high school, uh, when I came to faith, a lot of my uh, church involvement since that time has been predominantly EFCA, and if not EFCA, still something in that free church tradition, congregationalism, right. things like that. Right. So. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is a conversation that we've had internally quite a few times is what are the strengths and possibly weaknesses of, you know, the free church, Bible church, congregationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Not not mm-hmm. in sort of the, either the mainline or uh, distinctly reformed Presbyterian Anglican type. What, what is the difference between those things? How do we operate and what are yeah. some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses yeah. of sort of this informal congregationalism? Yeah. Especially as we, you know, a lot of our conversation has, has been in identifying ways that we can be growing mm-hmm. as a congregation. Mm-hmm. What are, you know, uh, how do we draw from some of these other traditions to strengthen uh, some of our weak spots? And it's been a fun conversation. We thought, hey, let's have this in front of a microphone <laughs> and, and see how it goes and, and bring you all into that conversation. Yeah. Um, but one, one of the key, uh, I think, um, noticeable absences for someone like me who grew up in more of a a formal uh, traditional context than coming into a free church is the absence of what we might call catechesis Mm -hmm. or or um, which is just a ten dollar word that means teaching Um, but 
the, that formal religious instruction that you might find in a Methodist or a Lutheran church or even in a Catholic church where, you know, you, you take a catechism course or a confirmation class, mm-hmm. you're you learning the various creeds, memorizing different um, catechisms and confessions like mm-hmm. Westminster mm-hmm. or Heidelberg mm-hmm. or Lutheran. Um, it, that's not so common in a free church tradition. Oh, for sure, right. Um, as is a similar uh, kind of a more formal liturgy in mm-hmm. our gathered worship. Mm-hmm. We tend to be more free-flowing, spontaneous, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth, not a lot of recitation or things. So those are some differences that that if you've been in other traditions, you would notice pretty quickly. And right. we want to think about, you know, um, again, starting with the strengths, what what in your experience, um, uh, both in, in the broader concept of, of a free church tradition, which I think mm-hmm. kind of captures a lot of Baptistic movements. Sure, right. Um, but then, you know, even our own specific denomination, what are some, what do we typically do well? So a lot of the ways in which, again, growing up Baptist um, and coming from a, coming from serving at an independent Baptist church to serving at an EFCA church, really, in a lot of ways, we're not that different. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ways that we are most different in terms of the evangelical free church uh, to begin with would be that we um, independent Baptist churches practice practice biblical separation, which is we don't typically they don't typically mess with any other denomination because nobody really has the gospel right. And they call that <laughs> biblical separation or unbiblical. Oh separation. well, you know, so it just depends on where you're at. But that's not to throw stones, honestly. That's that's just kind of part of the shtick. It's, it's really it's a it's a desire to preserve. Uh, the purity of the gospel and purity of doctrine, not through mm-hmm. catechesis, right, but mm-hmm. through protecting it from people who um, maybe have, have in, in their eyes, kind of skewed doctrines or bad mm-hmm. doctrines, where the free church is more that, you know, even if you're baptized as an infant in the Methodist church or in the Lutheran church, if you're genuinely a believer and you come to an EFCA church, they're not going to require you to be re-baptized mm-hmm. by immersion, mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking, generally, right? Yeah. There's there's a breadth in that. So, But I will tell you this, in both in both of these realms, the one thing that I've noticed that there's a great emphasis on is teaching the Bible. I mean, yeah. really teaching the Bible, yeah. not, not kind of just using it as a fun little aside as mm-hmm. part of a service, like a five-minute sort of homily, but mm-hmm. a very robust look at like, hey, the, the main thing that we do mm-hmm. is you come and, and hear the word exposited. You yeah. hear the word preached. And a lot of our services, in the way that they operate, will bear that to be true. The centerpiece of everything mm-hmm. is, this, is the sermon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, yeah. but that's very strong. I think that's one thing yeah. we do well. Yeah. And, and that commitment, I think, even goes beyond the pulpit. You know, so, so the pulpit being kind of that pivot foot mm-hmm. uh, of, of biblical exposition. But the curricula that we would right. typically choose and use um, for our adult classes, our children's classes, they're predominantly going to be teaching the Bible. Yeah. Um, and not that they don't do topics and other other kinds of things, but the backbone of the tradition, I think, mm-hmm. is um, is teaching the Word. To, uh, to illustrate that, I, I used to teach Bible, Old Testament, and New Testament survey at a small Christian uh, ele- elementary and middle school mm-hmm. in, back in Massachusetts. And what, so the students that would come into that class would be from a range of traditions and backgrounds. Some of them, this is their very first time opening a Bible. Uh, some of them, uh, incidentally, some of the kids from our church who'd gone through our 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 killed our kids' curricula, where they were really going through the whole story of the Bible and and how each book works and so on. Some of those kids could have taught that class, like they understood things I didn't learn until I got to seminary, right? Right. right. So so there's 
there's some wonderful strengths in Bible teaching. I think the free church tradition has a good strength of congregationalism, sure. of evangelism, sure. and prioritizing it. So there's wonderful, wonderful strengths. Well, scripture um, memorization would oh, be one. Yeah. I mean, you think of like even you know adult, a lot of uh, churches kind of in the free Bible church have adult Bible fellowship, the mm-hmm. ABF, um, Awanas as yeah. as kids. Yeah, uh, growing up, I I knew nothing of systematic theology, but I I've told people before my. Um, my raising, the one thing that I really, I would say 90% of the scripture I have memorized, I memorized before I was 16 years old. Wow. 90%. Wow. So like all of that, what's flowing around in my head in terms, so most of it's in the KJV. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go to quote it to people or quote it in my own head, it sounds very disjointed from what, what I currently read, you know, with yeah. the ESVA or the Holman. But um but that's like the emphasis on the power of the word of God yeah. is very strong. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful for that yeah, in terms absolutely. of scripture memorization. Uh, not so much strength in systematic theology. Yeah. So I know a lot of scripture. I don't necessarily know what they all mean when you're, they're looked at yeah. in a broader context. Yeah. Of yeah. I would say that's one of the, you know, getting into the weaknesses that that systematics, that lack of taking um, concepts from the whole range of scripture and, mm-hmm. and kind of synthesizing understanding like doctrine of God, like mm-hmm. the Trinity, things like that, or and some of the historical conversations behind that. Those aren't common conversations in our tradition. Right. Or, or doctrine of the church, ecclesiology, right. doctrine of salvation. We have not always excelled at, at systematics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same thing is true of, of more general catechesis Mm -hmm. um so you you can grow up in our tradition sometimes and depending on the context and never really be taught about why baptism matters or what communion is we practice it but we don't we don't have a regular rhythm of educating children or new christians Mm -hmm. on those basic type things of the some of the central doctrines and practices of mm-hmm. the faith. I think that's a weakness. I think that's something we need to grow in as a church. Um, and then liturgy would yeah. be another um, noticeable absence in a, in a typical free church context. Yeah, and when we talk about liturgy, in case you're, you know, it, it does sound like a high church word, and it typically is associated with high church. It really just means form of worship, pattern of mm-hmm. worship. Like, mm-hmm. what do we do when we come together What's the order of things when we meet together? And Scripture does say, you know, Paul says in in uh, Corinthians to the church at Corinth, like it, Scripture needs or, or uh, services need to be orderly. God is not a God of chaos; He's a God mm-hmm. of order. So when you come together, you shouldn't just be haphazard and yeah. and just yeah. completely spontaneous. Yeah. There should be some order to it. So when we speak of liturgy, what we're speaking of is there in the in the tradition of the Free Church or the Bible Church or the Baptist Church uh, that more sort of uh, what what. You know, I think D.A. Carson even calls informal um, mm. informalism, evangelical informalism, mm. mm-hmm. that there's this idea that, well, we don't do traditions here. Yeah. But the funny thing is we we do have traditions. <laughs> They're just, we just not, don't call them we that. We just don't call them that. Yeah. There's a really funny, I got to read this. There's a really funny thing that kind of is floating around on the Internet. This, again, is referenced in uh, the, the book Worship by the Book by Carson and I believe Kent Hughes and there's one other author I can't... Uh, Keller and Chapel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yep, you're right. Um, and it's a fantastic book. If you get a chance to read it, please do. It's about, you know, what should, how should we think about um, gathering together as mm-hmm. the church by Scripture. But mm-hmm. so in talking about sort of what uh, what evangelical informals do when they get together, 
this is funny. So fellowshippers shall enter the sanctuary garrulously, centering their attention on each other and gaily exchanging their news of the past week. If there be an overhead projector, the acolytes shall light it. <laughs> the minister shall begin morning fellowship by chanting the greeting, Good morning. Then shall not more than 50% and not less than 10% of the fellowshippers respond, chanting in this wise, Good morning. The glad handing of the peace. Then may the minister say, Why don't we all shake hands with the person on our left and on our right and say, Good morning. Right? Then you get to the reading. Then shall be read an arbitrary scripture passage of the minister's choosing, so long as it does not relate to the time of the church here. <laughs> the the idea there, and it is, it's sort of making making fun of the idea that, um, you know, when we these churches, when we our churches tend to go away from like a formal order of liturgy or service, then mm-hmm. we think that's because you know this is more biblical but mm-hmm. it's really our own traditions we, like yeah. we make our own liturgy or james k.a smith would say everything has a liturgy the mall has a liturgy right yeah, like yeah liturgy is not a dirty word it is just the order of mm-hmm. how things are put together in order to shape who we are that's really what yeah. it's about how does it shape our view of the gospel as a as a people and are we intentional about doing that we could we're going to do a whole nother podcast yes. um a few weeks down the road on liturgy specifically so we're not going to get into the yeah, details yeah. right now but just generally um one of the things we don't do well is really kind of thoughtfully look mm-hmm. at how do we order our gatherings in a way that makes sense from top to bottom yeah right yeah yeah so and, and that gets into um kind of where how do we get to where we are like um if there's value in some of these traditions or practices that we've kind of held at arm's length historically, um, why? Why do we do that? What are what do you think are some of the um, maybe suspicions or um, questions or causes that we uh, that that would make us be you know, gravitate toward that informality on, on these kinds of things? Well, because you're afraid you're afraid of it being rigid. You're afraid of yeah. going through the motions on things, right? Yeah. Totally. Um, that if it's just you get up, you say this, you know, you all stand up, you chant this, or even in your own personal life, you get up in the morning, you do this, you do this, you do this. It, it just becomes what you do without thinking about it. Yeah. So it's a pattern that is you're not really maybe invested in mm-hmm. with your heart and your mm-hmm. emotions. You're just doing it because yeah. you think you're honoring God, right? It's action that might be mm-hmm. divorced from heart. Yeah. Right. And if you grew up in a tradition like I did, that that was more formal and traditional, mm-hmm. but I did not have the faith in Christ right, yeah. that gave meaning to that. Right. Not only did it, did it feel rote, it felt empty mm-hmm. and, and kind of inauthentic for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. like just going through the motions, but it didn't mean anything such that when I later after I'd become a Christian and, and was in more of a spontaneous type context, um, more modern instrumentation and, mm-hmm. and modern songs and, and less formal order that felt so alive it feels like you've been me. set free i mean it we was can do just, rock music in church i know it was just this amazing <laughs> and and so that felt i associated that with real spirituality right uh-huh. but then we landed in a uh, a more traditional formal evangelical church in the suburbs of chicago mm-hmm. uh, college church where we said the Apostles' Creed every Sunday and we prayed the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. We sang the same hymns that I grew up singing uh, in my Methodist church. And all of a sudden, now that I had faith in Christ, mm-hmm. this stuff came alive and right. it fed my soul. And I and I realized that, that um, 
disorder or haphazard spontaneous does not necessarily equal spiritual, mm-hmm. right? I think that's one of the common myths we can have that that spon- spontaneity equals spirituality, right? And and so we can have kind of a posture of suspicion towards anything that's planned, anything that's right. prepared, anything that's um, that's well organized or or repetitious or right. anything like that. Right, and and that's a good point. You can't shy away from something just because there might be the danger that some people do it wrong. That's that's big. It's another thing of looking at. I mean, I didn't discover a lot of like historical church. I discovered. I knew nothing. Again, I knew nothing of creeds or confessions. I knew nothing. Growing up Baptist, I, I never knew that Baptists had their own confession, the London Baptist Confession, 1689. Like, and I love it now. I got it mm-hmm. as an app on my phone. I refer to it often. And it helps fill in the blanks of a lot of not just systematic theology, but numerous scripture references. Mm. So there's a value of scripture, but also how they come together um, in, in meaningful ways. I knew nothing of those things. And now I can look at even you know, there are some churches that in tradition I would disagree with them um, theologically, and I disagree with them on some doctrines, but just because someone is wrong in one area doesn't mean everything is right. Mm. We pick from it and say, like, here's some really good things at the church. Let's be honest. Like, through the history of the church, there are some things that were not great. Yeah. Like, even Martin Luther did mm-hmm. some really great things, did some really bad things. Yeah. Like, at the end of his life, his views on on the Jews, like, mm-hmm. really kind of influenced some of what happened in Germany, On if we're, mm-hmm. if we're honest, down mm-hmm. the road. Like, so there, we always have to kind of look back on it without just tossing away tradition yeah. what we yeah. what we ultimately come to is like tradition to some of us feels gross and old and like it's, it's we need something new and fresh mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's almost like when we some churches feel like the church actually started when their church started <laughs> that's when things got real that's when yeah. we really started it how many times have we said like well we need to get churches need to operate biblically mm-hmm. but i mean i feel like most churches, when they have started, have said, we, I don't know many churches are like, let's not operate biblically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a difference of understanding. What do we mean when we say yeah. operate to, biblically? To the point, and, and I think that gets at another, um, uh, another cause underneath some of the suspicion that we might have is, is there's, a, there's a strong individualism mm-hmm. that drives a lot. And, and this is not just a free church tradition. This is an American evangelical problem. Agreed. You know, so, um, but there's a strong individualism matched with a with a pretty um, subtle and not so subtle consumerism mm-hmm. that that kind of makes us the hero of the story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and makes me as the individual worshiper when I'm gathering with the church or when I'm coming to whatever class I'm in, like, what am I, my posture is often, what am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. And, and so we shape worship services to kind of, attract that individual and mm-hmm. meet their needs and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, the church growth movement of the last few decades is really, it's taken um, it's taken some of these unhealthy impulses and turned them into a strategy for attracting people. Yeah. Um, now that's its own podcast yeah, for another time is. too. That but um, so, so that, that kind of, I think uh, that, that focus on, individualism and what am I getting out of this, that can cause us to look kind of askance at some of these mm-hmm. more rote traditions where I don't realize that when I'm gathered with the people of God, I'm part of something bigger than myself. Right. And that yes. we as a church are part of something bigger than ourselves. We right. as a local congregation. You know, when when the history tab on, on the church web pages, uh, on church's web pages, 
starts with the founding of that specific, you know, it, it gives right. this sense that we're, that we're not That's part connected. of something deep. Right. Uh, or that God started over with, uh, you know, and right. nobody's intending to say that right. from those. But it, it it illustrates that kind of myopic uh, understanding of the church that I think, again, fuels some of this distance we might have toward tradition, toward um, uh, connectivity with history, toward confessionalism mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's why we get skewed, right? Because even we, we've mentioned, you mentioned at the top, like what are some other strengths? Evangelism is a strength. But evangelism, just for the sake of get out there and like mm. pass tracts out, that it's not just evangelism. Like even with evangelism, we want people to hear the gospel. But Jesus didn't just say go tell people the gospel; yeah. he said make disciples. Yeah. And so, disciple making is evangelism part of it? Yes. Is evangelism the totality of it? No. I no. mean, it's not just get people saved. I mean, one of the phrases that floated around when I was growing up. And kind of within that, the Baptist tradition that I grew up in was like the term, like, get them saved, mm-hmm. seal mm-hmm. the deal. Like mm-hmm. if you can, you know, tell them the gospel, ask them if they want to pray the prayer. If they do, they're in, then they get baptized. And at whatever happens mm-hmm. after that, it's mm-hmm. just between them and God. Yeah. Completely unbiblical. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, yeah, even yeah. as you think about baptism, like um, if somebody, if, if the point of getting people baptized is just to put that number to rack those numbers up on your church you know at the end of the year like this we had 75 baptisms if four of those people are now involved in the community of faith that's not a win that's not biblical (laughs) that's it's not a win i mean and so that's some of the measurements that uh, we tend to gravitate towards in in thinking like okay how are we really doing in Mm. faithfulness can't just be measured by how many people are sharing the gospel or how many yeah. how many people have gotten baptized or yeah. what's our attendance for worship services or do people like the songs that we're singing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> those totally. are not good measurements and and even the fact that within that great commission is the command to baptize like mm-hmm. so uh, so w- in, in some of the traditions I've uh, circulated in um, even baptism has been kind of diminished as important. So in your sure, Baptist, sure. you know, yeah, not, you, that's you aren't going to find that no. there. But <laughs> and, and part of it, and I would say almost the majority of it is a fear of allowing baptism to be turned into a work by which we might earn our salvation. Right. Agreed. Um, because there are some traditions that treat it that way. And, and so we're yeah. reacting against that. Um, but understanding that, that part of making disciples is having seen people get baptized well that implies participation membership growth mm-hmm. in a local church right mm-hmm. so so um having a bigger a more robust view moving out of the individualism into uh, a, a corporate identity which we doesn't minimize the the role that i play mm-hmm. and my own ownership and responsibility within it mm-hmm. but it just again reminds me i'm part of something bigger than myself and we as a church are part of something bigger. Some of these liturgies, traditions, catechesis, I think they help us take steps in that direction. I totally agree. Um, so what are we doing? Like we've, <laughs> we've been talking about this yeah. for a while, and, and, and uh, what are we as a church doing about this? Are there some steps that we're, and I mean, this isn't kind of a dumb question. Right. We are taking some steps. What <laughs> that, are that those steps? That provocative question. Yeah. Are we doing Are we it? doing anything? Well, it's a good thing you asked, Brandon, because we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those what political. Are we doing? What are your plans? Have you started anything? Yet? Well, in <laughs> fact, I have. I passed a bill. Nobody cares. No. Um, but uh, yeah, we are. I mean, we are doing things. We've been slowly in different areas over 
you know, so I've been here about 11 years and we've we've kind of taken the approach of like, let's again, the e-free tr- tradition is we have so many different people that have grown up in either yeah. mainline Protestantism or, you know, reformed Presbyterian or Lutheran you know, it, have grown up in so many different traditions that it's a lot of people who come in here. Um, have experiences like you mm-hmm. when they grew up in something. And, and so it's not completely unfamiliar to yeah, them. Yeah. But we're trying to make steps that just not not just using um, things because we think they're going to be like a magic spell to yes. make our church more robust. But gen- genuinely, do we think that there are things in um, church tradition that will help us as, as a church mm-hmm. get a bigger picture of who we're supposed to be and also, like, um, be very patient and faithful. Like, mm. so for for one example, when I think about worship, and again, we'll get we'll get into the um, what liturgy podcast down the road. But one of the things that that really a worship service or a gathering should be about is is not just huge bells and whistles. And if mm. somebody walks in the door new, they're like, "Man, what's happening here?" The worship is, is so rocking. amazing that I just was able to close my eyes and just absorb that's not the point of worship. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if our hope in worship is that it's about our individual, only our individual connection with God, there's no biblical support for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole, the whole idea of Paul talking to the Corinthians is, Hey, when you guys get together, it's, it's about how you treat one another. Yes. It's about how you interact with one another. That reflects yeah. whether or not God's actually in your presence. Yeah. There's a corporate um, aspect that, that, the congregation is coming together absolutely right and there's a formative and again we'll get we'll get into right. this but there's a formational worship is not just something we do worship actually does something to us right in in growing right. us spiritually and so either formative or deformative yeah yeah i mean really honestly yeah and that's that's some of the ways that we've approached things again i keep saying this but we will do <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this part of it a little bit short but it's not not just in worship but also in education yes um, we've been taking both our middle school and high school students mm-hmm. through kind of formal. We just, we've just, we're just finishing up eschatology. So systematic, systematic theology with the high school students. Nice. Um, and with our middle school students, we've been doing, um, a study on the church. What yeah. is the church? We'll be moving into that same study, um, a little bit, um, more, um, specific with the high school students here in a couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. like helping them understand, right. Teaching them like yeah. some of these things that you've never heard of before are actually good for the yeah. church. Like, How does church leadership work? How is right. it supposed to, you know, why, what is an elder right. and, and, uh, all of those kinds of things, having an opportunity for kids, not just to observe it, observe it, but to be able to connect the dots mm-hmm. and, and, some of those more formational categories. So those are some of the current things we're doing. Um, some of the things I've seen other churches do uh, in our tradition is, is um, adopt something like the New New City Catechism, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of a, I wouldn't say a modernization, but it's it's a it's draw, draws heavily from Westminster, Heidelberg, Heidelberg and others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a it's a great little tool. Um, another thing we're going to be doing after Easter is is setting aside ten weeks to just uh, in our both our gathered worship in the preaching, but also in our in our small groups and, and other ministries to drill into uh, this question of what does it mean to be the church. Mm-hmm. Let's step back for a moment and be reminded, especially after such a disruptive season mm-hmm. that we've been in. Right. Um, what does it really mean to be the church? What mm-hmm. are the the habits, commitments, convictions, practices of the church, mm-hmm. the mission, um, things like that. I'm really excited to kind of 
re-explore those things together. And I think it's just going to be healthy for us as a congregation to, again, recognize we're part of something bigger. Right. And, and that's beautiful, and that's wonderful, and um, what an incredible privilege it is. So how does that work? What does that mean? Let's do this. Um, yeah. So... So those are some of the steps we'll take. And again, I, I'm hopefully you're really looking forward to the liturgy am, episode that's coming up. I'm um, restraining myself quite a bit I today. Know. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be fun. Um, and we're, we're going to continue talking about some of these topics even as part of that look at uh, what we might call ecclesiology, the, the mm-hmm. doctrine of the church uh, in the future. Um, we're going to explore a few more of these things just to... Uh, again, be grounded, be reminded, um, uh, and 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 take advantage of uh, of the rich tradition that mm-hmm. we have. Tradition is not a bad no, word no. unless it's disconnected <clears throat> from Scripture. Right, um, right. Then you know, tradition for tradition's sake is is empty. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, tradition as informed and shaped by Scripture, mm-hmm. um, and 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 carried along by the community of faith. We do that whether we call it that or not. Yeah, and so let's yeah. own it yeah. and let's be thoughtful about it um, and let's continue growing um, as mm-hmm. a church, as a church tradition. Um, I'm really excited about that. And, and so I think this is, this is something um, that's fun to, to explore and, and I hope, uh, hope we see some fruit coming from it. I'm sure we will. You know, the last thing that I'm just going to say is like, so this is for whether or not you attend church here, I just want to say this kind of in, in parting when we talk about these things. We, we as people are very impatient. Hmm. Like we tend to think if we don't see something happening, the, you know, like we, we think things should be this way. We don't see that happening. Then we like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's mm-hmm. wrong? Or, you know, you maybe um, have in the past been involved in a church. It doesn't just feels very boring and very, um, you know, I could same old, same old. Um, the The reality about spiritual growth is it's it's a very long process, yeah. and and it does require a lot of patience. And the point of making any changes, the point of any church really trying to strive, we are not the only church that's trying to strive to be you know biblically oriented Absolutely. or or yeah. look. There are many many churches who are very concerned with this. But in all things, we just want to make sure that we don't number one. Um, uh, think that spontaneity mm-hmm. is more spiritual than than order, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's not. The Holy Spirit even works with order. Mm-hmm. See that in Scripture. Um, and the the other thing is just like um, that. Any you know, as we try to orient ourselves towards what we think is a more biblically robust paradigm, it's just it's a process. Yeah. And so yeah. you'll you know if you're here, you'll see little things over time as we wrestle with these things and pray over them, and as our elders talk and wrestle mm-hmm. and pray and mm-hmm. encourage one another. And, uh, you know, when at the end of the day, we as God's people will stand before him on, on that day of judgment. We will mm-hmm. stand before him as his people yeah. from all sorts of traditions, from all sorts of, um, you know, church ordered ways. Like we will stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we will go, man, we fought about some really silly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so just keeping and bearing in mind that the, the goal of this is just be as biblically faithful as we can. And uh, in the hope that people will grow in their understanding yeah. and knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they will grow in their love for one another, that yeah. we would see ourselves as connected to something way bigger, not just in our time, Absolutely. but connected to what it talks about in Hebrews, you know, 11 and yeah. 12 yeah. is this, you know, yeah. this cloud of witnesses that are just sharing it like we're, yeah. we're connected past our own time frame. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going for. And that's, that's what we would ask you to pray for and long for as God's people. So 
again, we'll get into this more. Look, be on the lookout for the podcast with Chris Yuan, which will be um, uploaded over the weekend, hopefully by Monday. But uh, until then, um, thanks for spending time with us, and we will talk to you soon.